0: Our past couple of cast episodes focus on moving to the cloud and the implementation process. So following that trajectory, today's episode focuses on EPMI's cloud maturity model. The maturity model guides an organization through their cloud journey and highlights the exciting possibilities with Oracle Cloud EPM. I'm Alice Cadet, marketing manager at EPMI. Today we have Nihar Parikh, our CEO, Fletcher Cox, our director of sales, Brett McDaniel, our senior consultant, and new EPMIcast member Ian Terry from our consulting team.
1: Thanks, Alex, and welcome everybody to another episode of EPMIcast. I'm so excited about today because it's one of my favorite topics. As you know, folks on the call are probably used to hearing me talk about our cloud maturity model, and it's really how we get our customers from the idea stage of thinking about how to implement an Oracle Cloud solution to actually executing that, and all the many steps that go in between from working with Oracle as a customer, to our, um, I'm sorry, Oracle as a a software vendor, to our customers and um, and implementation partners as well. So um, there's definitely a a three-legged stool that we stand on in order to get success with any customer. And uh, we divide that up into several
0: different categories. Before
1: we get started to that, I'd like to introduce some of my colleagues here. So Brett, you wanna go next?
0: Yeah, I'm Brett McDaniel and I'm a senior consultant with APMI. I've been with the company for about a year and a half now. Prior to joining EPMI, I was I was actually in the industry in corporate accounting, uh, where I was worked about 12 plus years in, in corporate accounting, consolidations, and you know working real close to accounting close and reporting. And we actually at my prior company, we actually I implemented uh, Oracle Account RECs and financial close and consolidation. And we also implemented planning on the, uh, I was on the client side of those implementations. So thanks. Happy to be here today. Thanks, Brett. And uh, for our listeners who don't remember Fletcher, you want to give another introduction, please?
2: Day by day, I'm just evangelizing the cloud maturity model. Uh, In my background, I started uh, working in sales at Oracle, covering the same set of ERP, EPM Supply Chain Management Applications, moved over to the consulting side about two years ago. Um, and I help uh, Nihar and the team, you know, really spread the good word about Cloud EPM. Thanks for that. And Ian
1: Terry, could you give a brief introduction to the listeners here? Sure,
3: so uh, I'm Ian, uh, working for EPMI since early June, uh, basically just on the consulting side. And I am primarily working with data and data management um, prior to joining EPMI, I've been in consulting for a couple of years now. Um, a little bit more on the management consulting side up to now, but uh, you know, really getting into it over here at EPMI with uh, Oracle. So,
1: hey. thanks, guys. So let's just dive right in. You know, one of the things that's you know true across all consulting organizations is that everybody's got their own point of view or their interpretation of how you know practice needs to be run. It's like that's probably why they call it a practice because we're always practicing but there's um you know over the last i would say you know 50 or so implementations in the cloud there's been some common themes that we've noticed across all of our customers and you know every customer starts off at a different point of maturity you know some customers are you know still running manual excel processes for most of their core financial systems Um, some are you know already and a lot of them probably have adopted some sort of erp or transactional system um, some others are, you know, pretty advanced in the way that they can produce, you know, financial reports and what-if analyses and really respond to any mission-critical questions that their executives are demanding out of them. And, and some others, you know, are still, you know, um, are, are, are pretty pretty far away from, from any kind of automation. They've got, you know, lots of manual processes that could take, you know, upwards over, you know, 20 or 30 days to close the books. So we've really got a wide variety of folks to, to draw experience from. So, you know, you um, know, Fletcher, maybe we can start with um, with you. I'm kind of curious on what you've seen in terms of where most of the customers that you talk to, where their maturity is, um, you know, what they're looking to implement first, and um, and
0: how that maps to the way that we, as a company, can deliver on that vision.
2: Right. So, I mean, a lot of where I'm aligned specifically at EPMI and kind of you know my network, my relationships at Oracle are all within the kind of sub. 1 billion in revenue, um, which is really exciting, right? These kind of private commercial companies either recently IPO'd or about to IPO. um, They're going through this business growth that cannot be facilitated by manual processes. So it's almost like, I mean, think about it like graduating college, right? They've just gotten everything up, uh, up to speed in terms of their business operations, revenue models, and now they need tools to make sense of all the data. So one of the biggest, you know, hurdles or not necessarily obstacles, but opportunities I come across is really making it easy to understand. know what these applications what these business processes do right um so if you look at the layer cake slide that uh, alex will put up now um it's a whole lot to take a look at right there's like eight different boxes spread across you know multiple different rows and um a lot of the times we're talking to a cfo and they say okay well hey fletcher and nihar you know we want a planning tool like okay that's awesome um, of course, we can do that. But then, you know, we walk through the rest of the slide and show you, okay, well, the same platform includes functionality for reconciliations, consolidation, and close. And they're, okay, I'm starting to get lost here. And so I think a lot of the reason, EHR, why we put together the maturity model was to simplify the way that Oracle puts together the application, but across time, right? That this is not a one-time purchase necessarily when you go with cloud EPM. This is an investment and in process improvement across all um, business processes under the office of the CFO. Um, So I think the main reason why we do it, right, and so much of what we do as salespeople is to disambiguate a lot of the uncertainty that comes with procuring uh, an EPM software solution, right? There's a lot of buzzwords out there. There's a lot of, uh, you know, kind of promises you might see on white papers or marketing. And so I think the cloud maturity model really makes it real, right? Kind of breaking down these, you know, big lofty goals around process automation, streamlining workflows, approvals, AI, stuff like that, and break it down to bite-sized bits that you can then schedule out, so to speak, over, you know, one year, 18 months, three, five years.
1: Yeah, that's a really good point, because there are at least, what, I would say, five major business processes or areas within the EPM umbrella. Um, we can probably even argue that there might be seven if we include enterprise even management and narrative reporting. Let's say, you know, five core business processes from financial closing consolidations to account reconciliations, planning and budgeting tax provisioning and then profitability and cost management. And for the purposes of simplicity, because I know that, you know, we, we need to have um, uh, content available for our next step. So we're gonna focus on the top three. The way we kind of outline this is really in terms of close, the, the connect closed close process, the planning budgeting process and the reporting processes. Those are really three <clears throat> major, um, major paths of maturity that we have. And so we like to talk about, you know, uh, the, the analogy is, is similar to, to a, a young child or, or a baby, right? You're, first, you learn how to crawl, and then you learn how to walk, and then you learn how to run, then you learn how to fly. Now, you know, for those of us that are parents out there, not every baby out there crawls, and not every, every child or every implementation is going to get to the point where you can start flying, especially right out the gate. But there is a recommended path forward, and I think that's some of the lessons learned that we can talk about we can divide up into these three categories. So, so Brent, let's start with consolidations and close and the connected close process. Um, where do you see most companies, um, you know, in their in their adoption, whether they're you know coming off a manual process or whether they've got an on-premise system? what, is, what are some of the first business processes? Is it close and consolidations? Is it the closed task manager? Is it account recs and is it the transaction matching or more the balance rec- or balance sheet compliance? type of reconciliation that they're doing first. Can you talk a little bit about, you know, what that, that entry point is?
0: Yeah, I would say you know, it's more of the on the financial close and consolidation uh, as well as the task manager. You know, the task manager, you might as well go in and implement it as you're doing the financial close because the task manager is a little, you know, less, you know, effort to implement. But as far as financial close and consolidation, you know, you gotta have your numbers consolidated to before you do anything, cause I mean, it's part of your compliance process. You gotta have numbers to report or to, you gotta have numbers to reconcile. So you really have to have your, you know, your financial consolidation and close intact before you do anything. So, you know, going back to when I was at, in the industry and we implemented financial closing consolidation, you know, before that we were, we had a S base type, uh, cool but really most of the processes were done manually and I was actually the one doing all the processes as far as had a lot of intercompany transactions so a lot of the you know we, we had a lot of sales to uh, intercompany so a lot of those were I was having to do all those manually within Excel uh, top side entries which is another plus of the financial close system, you know, it actually has a journal entry workflow prior to implementing financial closing consolidation. I was tracking all those manual an Excel spreadsheet and just kind of changing balances, you know, within my spreadsheet to actually, so I could actually consolidate the book. So like I said, I could keep going on about the benefits, but financial closing consolidation to me is the number one thing you need to, you know, do first in that crawl stage. So you you know, you speed up your, your close process and you actually have numbers to report as well as going ahead and implementing the task manager as well, because it really helps. It really helps you keep track of your, your monthly close. So that's where I, that's as far as the financial close goes in the crawl phase.
2: Yeah. Brett, can I ask you a follow up there? Yeah. So you got your CPA, right? Yeah. So when you're getting your CPA, are they telling you, you know, I know we're studying this really deep accounting stuff, but you're going to be spending all your time in Excel.
0: No, no. I mean, yeah, you can take all the accounting classes and CPA exams you want, but until you actually get into that real world setting, as far as, you know, you know, as far as you can, like each company is, you know, unique. So until you see that company's unique way of consolidating the books or unique transactions they may have, I mean, you're not going to be prepared for that just from taking classes or passing a CPA exam or something like So no, I know where you're getting at as far as spending all your time in Excel. No. And I can lead back into the, like I said, I was spending a lot of time in Excel consolidating, but that also will bring us into the walk phase as far as the balance sheet reconciliations go as well. If you want me to expand on that.
1: Yeah, no, I hang on to that thought for just a second, but I, I think that for, for people who aren't really accountants, I'm not an accountant. I know, um, you know Alex and Ian aren't accountants. But what, what are the um, what is a close? Can you describe that in layman's terms? I mean, what are we doing when we're saying we're closing the books? I mean, if you're a small business owner and you know you're, you're balancing your checkbook at the end of the month or another quarter end of the year to pay your income taxes, that's what I think of as the close. Um, you know, how is that different from the way a corporation closes with many different people involved and public stakeholders and and what are some of the key outputs of
0: that? Well, I mean, really it's taking, you know, the previous months transaction, you know, accounting and, you know, closing out the books as far as, you know, whether it be consolidating the numbers, uh, you know, you're going to have to report, you know, if you're public, you got to report to the SEC. You also want you know, numbers that you can report internally as far as management reporting goes. So at the end of the day, it's just, you know, taking what's happened in the month and actually, you know, getting comfortable with the numbers you may have, you know, that's where top side entries may come into play where you actually have to, you know, book some top sides at the end or some adjusting entries and, you know, getting comfortable with the numbers that you can actually report, whether it be, you know, externally or where you can get comfortable with the numbers, internally as well so you know you're it's basically you know proving that the numbers are you know accurate and complete yeah you know
1: being in a post worldcom and enron
0: world you know it makes sense that we need one version of the truth and
1: it's going to be rapidly produced so you know the challenges that we hear our customers talk about are you know the things are always late or you know we're waiting on this subsidiary to enter in their data because they're on different systems so we don't have access to it we've got to do currency translations and we're trying to figure out the right rates to use and, you know, be able to book our, our, um, our to be able to book any top sides or any adjustments based off that, um, you know, there's, there's quite a bit of a manual process. So you mentioned the task management. Um, what's the, what's the effort to implement something like that? Is that something that's, you know, a, a long implementation or, you know, it seems like there, there could be um there's a lot of efficiencies just around being able to get some visibility around what those individual tasks are on a granular basis, but also be able to manage that from a top-down view. Any any um, experience implementing that and how that helps?
0: Yeah, I mean, it's really just taking an Excel spreadsheet and putting it in, into financial, you know, the, you know, into the task manager. The good thing is, is, I mean, you can sit there and have an Excel spreadsheet all day, but at the end of the day, you know, Somebody might be responsible in signing off on it, but when you actually put it into Task Manager, it actually creates that visibility and you know workflow where you know now you know what the bottleneck may be in the you know the close process. So it's just really taking it from a tracking Excel spreadsheet to putting it within the you know task manager system and actually having the visibility better visibility and track and workflow you know, for those tasks. I also wanted to, so that's kind of the task manager. I was going to expand on your talking about, you know, currency and, you know, that sort of thing, uh, going and going back to when I was on the other side of things, you know, we had several different companies and different currencies, Argentine, Argentine pesos, uh, Mexican pesos, uh, Canadian dollar. So we also, with that, you know, you have different systems too. So it's all, it's all great when everything's, you know, on ERP cloud. So our Canada and U.S. entity were on ERP cloud. So that's a direct pull. And it was all, you know, easy to pull in. It was the same chart of accounts as what we had in financial close. But then you've got these, you know, Argentina or Mexico, who's, you know, got their local, local statutory way of doing accounting. And they have a whole different chart of accounts. So it's a lot easier to have those map through the financial close and consolidation, which that feeds up your close enormously. Instead of having to try to, you know, map that manually in Excel. Also, all your currency, you know, is done done through financial close and consolidation, and your, you know, OCI is calculated. It it just automates it automates that part of the process tremendously.
1: Uh even from a, you know previously when we were doing implementations on premises, there was no, no real consideration around tax. Now i have got a purpose-built tax engine to handle everything below the line, you know, which really kind of I think rounds out the entire close process. Cause at the end of the day, tax is always waiting on, you know, the consolidations group to produce those final results before they can calculate their provision and move on to that final piece of it. So uh, I think it makes a lot of sense to, to start with that task management, you know, to get that visibility into where everybody is in the post-process, have some real vers- roles and responsibilities, and then, you know, you can figure out which portions of those tasks can be things that are either, you know, delegated or automated or, um, or need to stay manual, right? You can't automate everything all the time, but you probably get, you know, a good portion of those tasks so that you're able to maximize any kind of efficiency around what can be um, repeatable process versus what is not a repeatable process. And the fact that we have to do these things monthly, quarterly, and yearly, you know, a lot of those things can be repeated, uh, or can be a repeatable, automatable process. Um, you know,
0: yeah. Another thing, sorry to expand on your task manager, you know, task manager there, I mean, most activities, you know, They're not going to be monthly. You may have monthly activities, quarterly activities, Uh, you know, quarterly, you're going to file the 10Q. That's not a monthly activity. Uh, Annually, you're going to file the 10K. So instead of having to, you know, try to track that manually in a spreadsheet, you can actually set up different schedules within the task manager, you know, monthly task schedule, quarterly, uh, annual, a semi-annual, if you have semi-annual, you know, tasks. So that also is another benefit of having, you know, the task manager. You, you know, you brought up like a lot of these different, you know, manual Excel workbooks that
1: you're having to manage, you know, I know Ian, you've had a lot of experience recently with data integration and bringing together different systems, you know, like make, you can make your probably my refrigerator talk to its microwave, huh. but, um, you know, we, we really need to have, um, you know, um, I'd like a little bit more insight around, you know, what are customers doing before? And and how is the automation on data integration helping that process? You know, are they just you know requesting, calling somebody up, and getting a file? Is it you know um, are, are there are there API calls involved where these things are getting automated and you're just augmenting that? Where where are customers when you start with them and, and where do they end up? Yeah, a lot of times what we
3: end up seeing when we start with the customer is that you know they're keeping a variety of different source systems, um, you know. A given customer or client could have uh, several different information repositories, and a lot of times it is just manual extracts that they're getting these data files from. Uh, obviously, you know what we like to do is go ahead and streamline that into, uh, you know, one system, and bring that in with some sort of automation, uh, you know, some sort of scripting component, so that we can
1: pull those files
3: and then bring them right in.
1: Okay. So um, are you having to leverage any third-party tools or are you able to do that within the Oracle? Jared
3: would use EPM Automate um, to be able to pull queries in and uh, get that information there.
1: Sure. And so, you know, if, if we've got a customer with you know, these manual database pools, um, are, they, are they pulling them out to a flat file? Is it, a, is it um, you know, pulling directly into EPM? How does the data get from one system to the other?
3: I mean, typically what we're seeing is that customers are pulling flat files in. We can do a query-based approach. That's definitely an option, but what I am seeing a lot is uh, customers using flat files.
1: Okay, so in, you know, I think that's pretty common, what we've seen in, in across the board is, you know, customers will crawl leveraging flat files, and then you know, maybe as the next step in their maturity, they'll graduate to something more of like an automated SQL pool, and maybe put some scheduling around that so that they can um, have a predictable um, data load either a daily or multi, multiple times a day basis. Um, it is also nice to be able to run that ad hoc with a button that you can push um, in case there's a, a one-off load that's needed. I know during the close process, uh, some of our companies, some of our customers rather, will load multiple times a day um, to get the latest set of books in there, especially for the latest period that they're trying to close. Um, Seems like uh, you know we have a lot of different options there, um, you know. But I, I know that we always like to recommend you know we start with flat files, understand the process, you know, uh, understand the tool, learn the tool, and make sure that we understand that from a, an organization's maturity perspective, and then sort of automating those things that we are now find to be predictable. So um, there's there's definitely um, a, a somewhat of a method to the madness. But um, there's also um, different, different considerations to make in terms of where our customer is today and what kind of support they have internally for, you know, getting those uh, sources and extracts.
3: Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, if we could get an integration agent going to get those files over, um, just in a more streamlined, automated way. I mean, I think that's something that, uh, you know, a lot of our customers should strive for. Yeah.
1: And so, so some customers, you know, that I talk to will, will hey say, you know, we need planning and consolidation and reconciliations all as a part of phase one. You know, other customers will say, well, you know, we're really like Brett, you know, we're really focused on just consolidations and closes the first phase. Maybe we'll think about reconciliations after that. We don't need it right now. And then planning is that's all fake numbers anyway, right? Who cares? Um, but of course, people do care. And and depending on the type of organization you're in and what your FPA maturity is. Um, and what your business kind of mandates whether it's seasonal or whether it's cyclical um, planning becomes an increasingly important part of that conversation so you know from a from starting off with things like task management and some basic file integrations you go into things like consolidations um, reconciliations after that when does planning and budgeting fit into that timeline I don't know Fletcher if you get any insight there
2: we need a, a solid foundation before you start planning or building any house, right? So I think you know having your actuals in line, having a baseline accurate picture of you know what p and l looked like last year is you know kind of step one if you want to plan on that, right? What we always say is garbage in garbage out. And so if your actuals aren't organized, if they're not accurate, your forecast will reflect that. You know at EPMI, we do FP and a all day. Sometimes we do FP a all night, um depending on, uh, the customer, you know, for working across time zones. Um, but just wanted to bring back a point, um, you know, Nihar, I think you and I, you know, we struggle with making really bad jokes all the time. And one thing we always say is, you know, you eat the elephant one bite at a time. And we were talking about, you know, how to do this stuff, right? You know, does it make more sense just to do consolidation and close, wait, then do account recs, then do planning. Um, but what's always, you know, kind of a, not necessarily a, an issue, but like one of the number one things that can drive or, Derail a project is resource availability, both on the EPMI and on the client side. So think about it like you're eating a big meal, like you're eating an elephant, right? You know, if you're eating an elephant, you know, entirely in one sitting, you're going to need to have, you know, a whole bunch of folks involved. Um, but typically what we see is that, you know, the project will be specified within like a client PMO organization. They'll have one or two representatives from accounting or FP&A at one time. Um, so what we see, like you're saying, is, you know, we'll typically recommend doing a closed project, you know, kind of discrete waiting a little bit, see the results from that, make sure everything is uh, being reported on correctly. And then you can actually leverage that same uh, consolidation and close tool as a foundation to feed uh, the planning and budgeting tool. Um, But from a planning perspective, at least what I see from a lot of organizations uh, pre-IPO, they're happy with their ERP. They're doing planning on Excel and it's taking them a heck of a long time. They're growing too quickly. And then everybody uh, entering budget across all these departments is just not doing it correctly. So I almost see phase one, uh, or a, a planning as a you know a phase one in a lot of ways because it's like your first step with like an enterprise grade uh, EPM type application uh, in terms of what we see migrating off of Excel you know these financial forecasts that you're generating your p l is relatively straightforward balance sheet gets a little bit more complicated than cash flow uh, for a lot of organizations they're kind of like no let's uh, let's reserve that for a future phase um, so we see you know uh, a company on a like a Suite type ERP or an Oracle ERP they'll approach us and say okay For phase one, we want to do income statement planning, balance sheet planning, and then some degree of either headcount planning at like a cost center line item level, or maybe more detailed if they have, you know, an integration built out or a process defined from an HR tool. Uh, That's another area we're going to see a lot more uh, accuracy, right? So for a lot of organizations, you know, as we know, we're in professional services, your employees are going to be like 60 to 80% of your cost. So the more accurately you can capture that, the more accurate your plan is going to be. Um, And a lot of what we really work with and you know the first three or four weeks of a project are typically dedicated to defining requirements you know a lot of times you know project can be stalled or accelerated if the client can just help us understand what they're trying to accomplish so prior to any project you know our favorite customers are those who have well defined excel processes that we can then migrate to the cloud to get from a a crawl to a walk phase let's say
1: yeah i think it's it's always interesting to see the level of the definition around those processes once we actually get on site because before
2: we do that you know it's all
1: kind of the same conversation we're having with customers where you know we're making our best guess at an estimate on what it's going to take to deliver and they're doing the same thing right and then once we actually uncover you know some of the details that's when we really figure out it's like remodeling a house or building a new house and you find some some rats in the wall and <laughs> it changes that thing right so
2: well um, it's like the expression there right it's like you know man makes a plan and God laughs, you know, with plans, they always change. And that can be reflected right in the project scope. Whereas, you know, on Brett's side of the house, consolidation, close account recs, these are pretty well-defined parameters with really measurable results, but planning, you can always take a different turn. Let's just say.
0: Yeah. Account recs and financial close is more, well, financial close is pretty black and white. Account recs, you know, you can have some, it's black and white, but there's, you know, customizations you can, a lot more customizations where you can kind of, but yeah like i said planning is more gray it's not really as black and white as you know the, the compliance part of the close yeah one of the other things that you touched on want i hit on is the cash flow piece i mean you know it's
1: definitely nice to be able to predict when cash is going to be coming in and out the door um usually that's just one thing that most organizations can't predict because they're relying on people to make those payments and they're relying on you know, vendors and other other people that are that are associated with that process to make meet their obligations. So, um, you know, usually every company that we talk to, um, you know, has a has a unique manual process when it comes to cash flow, and to be able to automate some of that, I think is a nice to have. But it just seems to never quite get to one hundred percent, just because of you know changing factors like you know uh, prime interest rates. You know, when to use a a, um, a credit line versus when they use capital that you've already got. Um, and there's there's a whole lot of variables I think, that go into the decision making processes, whereas there's never kind of one that size fits all. But definitely, I agree, starting with PL and balance sheet, you know, to get those core financials tied up and then, you know, learning about how cash operates and, and where to make those adjustments. Well, you, know, you, you can get probably 90, 95% of the way there, but there's always going to be a little bit of manual effort in some of these things. When it comes to the account reconciliations so, though, um, kind of backtracking, you mentioned that there's a little bit more, or I think you're hinting at that it might be a little more heart than science there, Brett. Um, you know, some of the, so, so what are some of the ways that you, know, you can leverage account recs for a non-traditional use case? I mean, everybody kind of reconciles their bank balances, but are there any other use cases beyond that when they're already for that next level of maturity? What are they adopting? Is it APeAR, fixed assets in your company?
0: Yeah, I mean, like, like I said, you know, you can do account recs in Excel all day and, you know, very manual. You may have one region doing one way and another region doing the same account rec a whole different way. So really Oracle account recs, you bring it all into one platform. That way you have a very standardized, you know, account reconciliation process. You have great visibility. You have, you know, the workflow and you can integrate anything. Going back to Ian's point as far as flat files and stuff, if you have a flat file, an AR subledger, flat file, uh, fixed assets, bank statement, AP, inventory, subledger, we you can we can integrate that, you know, and then that way, let's take a fixed asset rec, for example. it's it'd be called it's called a balance comparison rec within account recs. if you're you know GL, balance is $50,000 and your sub ledger that you integrated is $50,000. You can go ahead and put a rule on that where it'll auto reconcile where if your GL matches the sub ledger, you know, there's really no, that's what you want at the end of the day. That's what it should do. And you can, you can auto reconcile that. Therefore, you know, the old manual process where the accountant had to go out and pull the sub ledger, pull the GL balance, you know, reconcile, make sure they tied. you've eliminated that part. Also to expand, there's, you know, the client i on now, we've built lots of different custom roles around, you know, workflow, you know, if it, if it has an adjustment to the rec, it, it requires an action plan if it's over this amount. So, I mean, you can take account recs out of the box and, you know, go with it, but there's, you can almost customize pretty much anything you want as far as Attribute adding attributes to Rex and you can really design it exactly the way you want. But a lot of that going back to Fletcher's point is goes comes into, you know, client client involvement and how they can basically, you know, write the account Rex tools, how they want, you know, and, and customize it the way they want. Absolutely. Um, I know
1: that, um, you know, we talked a lot about the clothes and regs and planning today. I um, wanted to just touch on reporting for a second. Um, you know, after we've got some of the, the typical statutory type of reporting out for compliance reasons, you know, what are some of the, the cool, nice to have features um, that we can experience? And maybe it's like in the later phase. I know that, you know, I've seen a lot of dashboard usage and infolets lately in the cloud where we can get some, uh, some cool visualizations. Um, without a whole lot of effort. Uh, what have you seen your customers use? And this is really open for anybody.
0: Yeah, Nothing. I mean, okay. Sorry, go for it. Go for uh, it. Uh, well, I was just going to say, obviously, like, you, like we said, you need numbers to report on. So once you have those, you know, accurate numbers you're comfortable with, you can really design the financial, the, the, the financial reporting any way you want, you know, and suit whatever management, you know, is looking for, you may have regional reporting, you may have, you know, different business unit reporting, product line reporting, you can kind of design uh, reporting exactly how, you know, the client wants to look at things. I, I would say that's more in the, yeah, you're getting more in the, I guess, walk, phase, walk run phase there, but yeah, you can kind of, like I said, just like I was, it's kind of the common thing with account, like I said, with account rates, you can kind of customize the reporting, you know, based on the
3: client's needs. Yeah, I was going to say the strategic modeling capabilities that we're seeing on the planning side, um, really, really impressive. Um, The forecasting abilities, the what-if scenarios that you have at, you know, at your fingertips, basically. Um, Just the ability to create these really nice looking dashboards that are informative. Um, You know, you would have to use some sort of uh, BI or data viz program outside of Oracle um, to get these um, otherwise. But I mean, it's right there within the cloud. So, I mean, it's just uh, really impressive what capabilities we have as far as just reporting and strategic modeling forecasting um, and just data visualization in general.
0: Uh, going Adding to that as far, AccountRex has a really good dashboard as well. They have an overview dashboard where you get real good High level view of your account recs uh, each month, like what, who's late, what's late, you know, what type of accounts are late. And then they have a compliance dashboard, which is more or less, you know, looking at how you did, looking back, you know, compliance wise, how did you do that month, you know, when you're looking at different metrics and stuff as far as your reconciliation uh, compliance process went. And that's just straight out of the box functionality. So that's something that could happen even in the crawl phase, right? And I yeah, that's can crawl. To tell you're, you're, you're so mature
1: with it. Because I know that in the on prem days, you know, we're having to build uh, any kind of data visualizations and things like that was such such an onerous task. There was a lot of SQL code involved and, you know, a lot of um, data modeling. When there's now, if you can just kind of click a drop down button and say, I want a pie chart, it's kind
0: of cool. Yeah. I will say, the cl- I mean, Fletcher's right. It all comes down to the resources kind of on both sides. But I mean, the client I'm on, I'm on right now. They're implementing Oracle ERP cloud. And at the same time, they're going, they're doing financial closing consolidations, account recs, as well as planning. I'm, I'm in the account recs portion of the project, but I know the, uh, you know, the planning is kind of dependent on the, how the financial closing consolidation project is going, because I know those two different projects work hand in hand together, but they're going, they're doing all the you know, everything at once. So it is possible if as as you have the resource on, on both sides. So they're kind of doing that crawl walk. Uh, they even are doing a little transaction matching too. So they're even doing a little run phase all, all at once. Yeah, there's definitely no one size fits all, but that's the nice thing about the tool is that you get access to everything.
1: You can choose how you want to deploy it. Yeah. And that's where we're here to help, right? So um, you know, I
0: appreciate everybody's time today. I think this is really insightful for me. Um, any last thoughts from anybody? to have everything on one plat I mean all the you know from my experience all the all the tool all the different platforms kind of are look alike too so they have that same feel to it so you start getting comfortable with it and you know the long term goal would be to have everything on that one platform that way everything's talking your tax provisioning you know that's all like you said that's a big the last part of the close process you know and there's so my experience it's such a manual process so that have everything talking together and they there on that one platform you know which is all kind of the same look and feel is I think that's the the end goal at the end of the day would you would you agree Fletcher
2: if you could just do your entire job on one URL wouldn't that be a heck of a lot easier so i mean exactly. it's like you know there're all these buzzwords out there talking about you know process improvement but you know Oracle just makes it simple right you log in you're doing your whole job from one screen you don't have to export out save some csv file go take one column massage it it all just flows together consistent report formats, same data models, if you want, you know, flexibility where you need it. So I think that's why, you know, EPMI works specifically with Oracle.
0: That's awesome. yeah, the best that's from my experience. It's the best Oracle products are the best, you know, user, you know, easy to use as a, as a user coming from, you know, being on that side of things.
2: Well, and they're not going anywhere. Like a lot exactly. of you know organizations we speak with are like, yeah, we implemented this, you know, point solution three years ago. And nobody knows how to use it. And I can't find anybody to hi- hire to use it. And as yeah. we all know, right now, hiring is a huge nightmare for everyone, ranging from, you know, construction companies, even to software consulting firms like EPMI. So you know, with Oracle Cloud EPM, it's been around for, what, 25 years effectively with that space. So it's not going anywhere. We've
1: been than that. Yeah, we'll be around here too. So um, uh, really appreciate everybody. Um, thanks for the insight. Alex, thanks for setting this up. And we'll see you next time.